Welcome to New City Church. This is Matt Freeman, and we are so thankful you are studying the Word of God with us. Jesus founded New City after our forever home, the New Jerusalem from Revelation 21. He wrote our mission statement to foster, strengthen, and grow an unashamed bride looking for Jesus' return. Let's lean completely on the anointing of the Holy Spirit to teach us all things from 1 John 2.27. God is so eager to teach you the depth of his word. Enjoy the study. All right. Well, we're going to dive into Revelation chapter 9. And as people start to funnel back in here from taking the kids down, we'll give them just a second. But last week we finished chapter 8 and went through the first four trumpets from Revelation 8. And this morning we're, drive, we're diving into chapter 9, the first 12 verses, which is the fifth trumpet in the series that we're going through. And as I like to do every week, I like to just give a, a quick overview of just a couple slides about the book of Revelation, really what it means and where we are, and why this is the most important book to study in the Bible, because it takes you into, if you study it rightly, it will take you into every other book of the Bible, which is a part of the blessing that the Lord promises. And so the revelation, and notice it's not plural, it's a singular revelation. <laughs> it's the revelation, which literally means the unveiling of, of who is Jesus for all eternity. And it literally is the most incredible book of the Bible. It, it, it shows who has the authority, who is the Lord Jesus forever. He is no longer the suffering servant that came to die for us and wash our feet, but he is the ruling, conquering king that is going to come back and rule and reign on the earth 4,000 years from Jerusalem. And I can't wait. But it showed the whole book is about redemption, and he shows who has the authority. You know, it's the one about in which the world is accountable to, but yet seeking independence from. And I just love that when you think about the whole book is about Really, who are we accountable to, but yet who does the world want to push out and reject more and more? It's the culmination of all things. It's everything that we get to look forward to in Jesus, and really the whole book is about redemption. It's the only book that promises a blessing in verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. The entire book is prophecy, and including chapters 2 and 3, even though they were written to local churches at that time, they overview, when you put them in the order of which Jesus wrote them, they profile the entire church history in advance, all the way to the age in which we live in now, the church of Laodicea, which is the last church. It's the only book of the Bible that also gives you a divine outline. It says, write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. In those three sections, the things which John had seen is the unveiling of who Jesus is in chapter 1. Two and three are the things which are, which are the seven letters to the seven churches. And then from chapter 4, verse 1 on are the things hereafter or after the church age. Okay, the words of this prophecy, it's, uh, it's the unveiling of who our king really is in, in chapter 19 when we get there, verse 10. It says the spirit of Jesus or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so don't let anyone confuse you that you don't need to study the prophetic word of, of God. It is the spirit of Jesus himself. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy from Revelation 19. So the outline we talked about, four things in this book will be put back where they belong. The church in heaven and our rightful home 
Israel and its rightful home, the land God promised them all the way back to Abraham in Genesis. Jesus will be on his rightful throne, the throne of David. He's not there yet. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's not on his throne yet. But as Psalms 2 says, when I make your enemies your footstool, he will sit on his throne. All evil will be bound and ultimately cast into their rightful home, which is the lake of fire. And so this outline we have from chapter 6, we started unpacking the seals of Revelation. There are seven seals. This whole thing is a heptatic structure. So the seventh opens up the next seven. So the seventh seal opened up the seven trumpets. The seventh trumpet will open the seven bowls, and then that culminates the Lord's judgment as the seventh bowl is on the air of all places, which who is the prince of the power of the air? It's Satan. And so God's final judgment is literally on Satan himself and his, his kingdom that he tried to build here on earth. Okay, so we're diving in chapter 9 today. We went through the, the first four trumpets last time. This is the fifth trumpet as the Lord is giving and delegating this authority to angels, as we saw from chapter 8. He gave seven trumpets to seven angels. And in chapter 9, we have the fifth angel and the fifth trumpet. So, and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven and unto the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And so, last time we talked about, during the first four trumpets, the the various stars. There was a star falling from heaven, as it were, a great mountain. And this is a different star falling this time. And And I want to touch base on this real quick, because I didn't make this very clear last time. But there was a trumpet last time of a mountain falling to the earth, which is likely an asteroid that strikes the earth. It causes all the waters to become bitter and wormwood. There's a new angel now with a new trumpet, the fifth trumpet that is sounding, and a star is falling into the earth, but there's a personal pronoun connected with it. And unto him was given the key to the bottomless pit. So this is likely where Satan is falling and cast out of heaven And when we get to chapter 12, you're going to see where it has this little break in between what's going on. But when we get to chapter 12, because between the 6th and the 7th of each of these judgments, there's a break, a pause in the scripture where the Lord gives you a lot of details of something else that's going on. It's almost kind of a catch-your-breath moment. But in chapter 12, you see where Satan is cast down to the earth. That is dimensionally from, from quantum physics, he's cast down to the earth, down dimensionally, meaning he loses access to the heavenly realm, that heavenly dimension. And this could be him that is falling because he's given the keys, given authority over the bottomless pit here in chapter 9, verse 1. So back in chapter 8, we saw that third angel sounded and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp or torch, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of the waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And so again, we know it's a different star here because it's the third versus the fifth angel sounding. But it's likely when, in my opinion, and, and you need to search the scriptures for yourself and figure this out in Acts 17, 11, but it's likely this is when Satan gets cast out of heaven and he knows his time is short. So in verse 2, And he opened, see here's that personal pronoun again, he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit as a smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. 
And so here he's opening up the bottomless pit, and we're going to talk a lot about what is this bottomless pit? Where is it? Who's there? Why, what does the Bible say about it all over God's word? The word in the Greek is abuso, and you can find it throughout the Bible, but it literally means bottomless, unbounded, the abyss, the pit. It's the immeasurable depth. It's a very deep gulf or chasm in the lower parts of the earth, and it's used as the common receptacle of the dead, but especially as the abode of demons. And we're going to look at Luke 16 in a minute, but there's two sides to the bottomless pit, as we learn from Luke 16. But there's only one place physically that could be bottomless, right? And that's the center of the earth, where every direction is up. It doesn't matter which way you go. If you're at the bottomless pit, it has to be the center of the earth because everywhere would be up. That's why it's bottomless. You can't go down anymore. And here, this fallen angel opens the bottomless pit, and all through the book of Revelation, things are coming into in and out of this bottomless pit, out of the center of the earth. All through the book, we're going to see things go into it and things come out of it. And so it's a very special place all through the book of Revelation. So the bottomless pit in Revelation 11, verse 7, And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit. So the beast here in Revelation 11 represents the Antichrist, what we generically call the Antichrist. It's, he's really the pseudo-Christ, the false Christ. It doesn't mean... It doesn't mean, yes, he is against the Lord, but really means in place of Christ. It's a false Messiah. So he comes out of the bottomless pit of all places. In Revelation 11, the, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And he's speaking about the two witnesses that the Lord raises up in chapter 11. So we'll look at that. It's a very special group of people when we get there. In Revelation 17, the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And what he's speaking about there is we know the Antichrist receives a mortal head wound and he apparently dies and there's a false resurrection and the whole world wonders after the beast because he was, he was and he is not, but then he is again. And that's what Revelation 17 is referring to here in one regard. There's also another regard we'll get to when we get to that chapter. But look what it says, and this is important. I want to point this out. And they that dwell on the earth, be sensitive to that phrase, the earth dwellers, kind of all throughout the book of Revelation, there are those of us in heaven that were in Jesus before the rapture. There are those that are on the earth that accept Jesus after the rapture, but they die a martyr's death, as we saw from the fifth seal in Revelation. But then there are those on the earth during this time that are referred to constantly as the earth dwellers. They're the ones that they're rooted in the earth. They want to worship the false Messiah. They are the earth dwellers that whose names were not written in the book of life. Now, it does not mean their names were never written there. What it means is they are no longer there. Because when you go back to the Old Testament, and we read in Psalms, before you are even knit in your mother's womb, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And the question is, do you accept the remedy to appropriate his righteousness to your life 
during while you're alive to keep your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. A lot of times in the Bible, the Lord will say something when someone rejects him finally, that I must blot his name out of the Lamb's Book of Life, which means it was written there, but they have rejected the remedy to keep it there. And so he has to blot them out. That's, he has no choice because they did not accept Jesus. And you see this several times in the Old Testament when you're sensitive to the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness. That happens several times where the Lord has to blot out someone's name because they reject his remedy. But notice here, the people that are worshiping the beast, their name has been blotted out because they have totally rejected the Lord. Okay, in Revelation 20 verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. See, when you get fast forward to the end of this, the authority to the bottomless pit is then taken from Satan and given back to one of the good guys because he comes down with a chain and that chain, he enchains Satan and casts him into the bottomless pit during the millennial, millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years. And so the Lord has the authority and he's giving it and taking it to and from who he needs to basically work out his will during these different time periods. In chapter 20, verse 3, the angel, the speaking of the angel, and cast him into the bottomless pit, speaking of Satan, and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. See, for a thousand years, mankind will live in complete harmony and in fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And at the end of the thousand years... Satan is loosed one last time. He deceives the nations. They come at, at Jesus around Jerusalem, and this time the Lord just takes them out by fire, and then we have a new heaven and a new earth. But Satan is bound here in the bottomless pit for a thousand years during the millennium. So there's a lot going on about the bottomless pit, and you can learn a lot about the afterlife from Luke 16. And what I love about Luke 16 is you get a lot of physical description about what's going on in the bottomless pit. Who's there? Who's not there? What's going on? So let's just read it. It's, it's Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared, fared subtuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Okay, so get the picture. Both of these people have died, the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus. They're both down to the bottomless pit. Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom. The rich man is in impassable gulf on the other side being tormented, but he can see Lazarus being cared for. 